would, bow your heads with me in prayer. Lord, we come to you tonight, and uh, we are grateful that we are able to to worship a God who who sees and knows everything about us. Uh, I thank you that that you're worthy of that scaring us, because you're that majestic and that holy and, and that amazing that for you to see everything about us should terrify us. I thank you that you're, you're that majestic because if you were not, then you wouldn't be worthy of our total worship. And I also thank you that you use all of your power, your might, and your glory to shower grace upon the people that you love. And God, we know that the world is full of people that you love because you sent your one and only son. Perfect into this broken world to become broken so that we could be made whole and right. Thank you for that life that you give us and thank you that you give it to us by grace through faith in him. Speak to our hearts in a powerful way tonight and may we leave this place looking more and more like your son Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, At this time, I would like to invite Katie to come and read tonight's scripture. You can join us in the book of Romans, chapter 8. I got a microphone for you. Thank you. A reading from the New Testament letter of Romans 8, 26 through 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. So we're continuing our sermon series called Victory. And John, would you put that first slide up, the, the big idea one? Yeah. Uh, and we're going to, I'm going to, I haven't talked to Larry and uh, others about this yet, but I may try to extend Victory Sermon Series past Easter because I, I just really, it looks a lot like Star Wars to me. And I love seeing that every week. It just, I can't wait for the next one to get here, I think in December. Uh, but anyway, uh, Victory is, has become an important topic for us to look at. And, and Victory is, uh, a mindset that many times we, we don't live within. So we're really hammering on this because that's what Romans chapter 8 is hammering on as well. And tonight we're talking about our weakness is no match for God's strength. John, could you mute the keyboard? I'm getting feedback up here. And it's going to distract me and my ADD already does. does thank you, that's perfect. Whatever you did, is, that's it. So tonight we're talking about our weakness is no match for God's strength. I want to tell you a story. My kids and I love playing flashlight tag. Do you know how to play that? This is a really fancy light. There we go. But flashlight tag or hide and seek is at nighttime, you go out into the darkness and one person who's the seeker has the flashlight. Everybody else goes and hides in the darkness behind a tree or under the stairs or wherever. And you go around and you, and you search for them. This is how you find people, right? And so it's exciting to, to go and do that. My kids love to do that. And so this flashlight, if you're the seeker, it's your weapon or your tool. 
It illuminates the darkness because otherwise you would not be able to see anything around you. So you shine it until you find something. Well, the text that we're looking at tonight that Katie read for us is, is showing us that God is like the one who is seeking out the things that are hidden in the dark. It says it refers to God as the searcher of hearts. He's going through the darkness and he's looking into it's not too bright, is it? It's supposed to be a little, you know. It's a great flashlight I got on Amazon. It's fantastic. But um he's the searcher and he goes through and he's he's looking through the darkness of our hearts, seeing what it is that he can find. God is searching the depths of your heart. And he sees what no one else can find. How does that make you feel? It makes me a little uncomfortable. Because when I envision God looking in the dark areas of my heart, it brings up stuff like this. Jeremiah chapter 17. The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Not not according to just the things that he does, but according to the heart behind the deeds that he does. I can't hide behind that. His light is exposing the dark areas of our hearts. It also makes me think of this in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. When Samuel went to find God's anointed king of Israel, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, unlike you, God is not impressed with my new blazer. And I saw you looking at me earlier. You like the little pads here, don't you? It looks good, I know. But see, God's not impressed with that. He looks to the heart. God isn't fooled by our outward appearances. Our posturing looks great to other people at times, but God sees down to who we really are. It also makes me think of this in Psalm 139. This is written by David, who was the anointed that God was finding. He wrote this later. He said, Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. God knows everything before we know. He is the searcher of our hearts. This is three settings I don't, I don't get. I want to do, keep this. Just keep it on. He's the searcher of our hearts. So in this illustration, God is the, the searcher. Who does that make us? We're the hiders. We're the ones who are hiding in the dark. And I am a grown man. And I have four kids, and when we play this game, when I'm the one hiding, I get nervous in the dark because two reasons. Number one, I want to win. I want to be the last one found or say, Dad, we got everybody else. You come out, you win. The second thing is, it's dark, right? And I'm vulnerable, and then there's this light I see, you know, peeking around and looking, and then you see it sweep over this way and sweep over that way, and then all of a sudden it just stops on you, and you're like, I'm busted. I don't like that. It makes me nervous. It's a picture. God is is looking into these things, and it says He is the searcher of our hearts. Immediately when I hear that He's the searcher of our hearts, it's negative for me. 
It's not comforting because I figure he's going to find out things that people don't know about me. And God's going to find out things that maybe I don't even know about myself. He's going to find those things, those thoughts, those hidden desires that I try to suppress all the time. And he's going to shine his flashlight around the corner and he's going to see those secret desires that I embrace that I don't tell anyone else about. I don't want to be found out. It's scary. I don't think I'm alone in these thoughts to have the, the thought that someone, God, can see into the depths of our heart where the unknown is. It's not comforting all the time. It's a struggle. But I have good news for you today. What I just described to you is not the game God is playing in this picture. This is not the, the name of God. This is one of the many names of God that the Bible gives us and one of these is the searcher of hearts. But in this specific, specific text, the picture being painted for us is God searching our hearts for deep, emotional, Holy Spirit interceding prayers. It's not a picture of Him going around trying to expose you. It's a picture of Him looking into your hearts and finding those prayers that His Holy Spirit is praying for you. When you go through a metal detector, the sole purpose of the device is to detect metal. It doesn't beep when there's cloth or leather or plastic or other non-metallic substances. It is seeking and it is searching for the metal. In this picture, Paul is saying that our prayer life, there are these deep prayers that we experience that no one, not even ourselves, there are these deep prayers that we ourselves don't even know except the Holy Spirit and God as He exists in the Trinity. The fact that God searches our hearts in this text is a powerful image of His strength in the midst of our weaknesses. Now, I want to read to us in Romans chapter 8. We'll read them again, and you'll see the picture. You can imagine God, the searcher of hearts. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our, the hearts, speaking of God, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit is interceding for the saints according to the will of God. So what is our weakness? It says he helps us in our weakness. Well, the weakness is still tied into every week. We keep pre- preaching verse through verse through this uh, chapter. And so it's still tied into what we preached last week and the week before and the week before and the week before. So it's tied in. So the weakness here is the groaning of decay and futility and misery in the world. It's the groaning of our bodies, our bodies that have yet to be redeemed. We still live in this broken world, right? We still see terrible things happening. And it's this groaning, this yearning for something more. For example, we see it in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, where he's talking about this. Paul says, and not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, which means the Spirit is living within us. Even we, with the Spirit living in us, grown within ourselves. Why? We're waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, which means children, remember? As children and the redemption of our physical body, that we're still in this type of suffering. So our weakness in this text, where the Spirit helps us, Our weakness are all the problems that are out there and in here 
that we don't have an answer for. The problems and injustices that are beyond our ability to affect. It is simply a fact that the world has more problems in it than you and I can fix. Amen? We cannot fix them all. It's saying that we are part of the solution to those injustices and those things that are wrong, even though we are not going to be able to fix them all. It doesn't tell us to disengage. It tells us that we are going to enter into those burdens through prayer, and at times we're not going to be able to articulate what it is that we need to say. Because sometimes we simply don't know what to say, and sometimes we don't have a clear directive on what to do. And these are special prayers. This week I was driving home and I only had a couple of blocks to go. And there's this intersection that I have to kind of um, just get out into it a little bit before you can, before you can see because of the traffic parked. And so I have to ease out and ease out and ease out. Well, uh, this week uh, I pulled out and an SUV came flying down through here and brrr, they honked on the horn. And uh, so I stopped. I wasn't going to go out there. I mean, I, was, I do this all the time. But anyway, they were upset. And uh, as she drove past... She like almost pressed up against the window and was yelling at me through the glass, through my glass, and, and just and really said some terrible things, even though I have no idea what she said. You know, I had the context of the, the growl on her face and, uh, and some kind of hand gesture. I'm not sure what that meant. <laughs> um, but it was, it, was, it was hostile. It was, you know, sometimes people give you the finger and you're like, okay, I deserved it. But this was like really bad. And it was so tangible that it, it shocked me. And, it, and instead of responding like, who does she think she is? It, it, I was just like, wow, she's really mad. <laughs> it shocked me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And so I ended up pulling out and I got behind her and stopped at the traffic light. And I was like, I hope she doesn't get out of the car. I'm like, come back here. You know, I, I'm, I guess I can put it in reverse and get back, you know, leave. But uh, I was making sure the doors were locked and everything. But uh, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And I, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't fix her anger. And so this text had been, you know, resonating with me th- throughout the week. I didn't know what to pray for her, so I started just to pray. like, God, she must have had something that went wrong, maybe. Uh, she's probably fearful. Maybe she thought I was going to pull out there, and maybe she got her baby in the car. Maybe she got in a fight with her husband. Maybe all these things are going on in her life, and I was just kind of that last straw. And the more I started thinking about her and the hatred that I experienced from her, it turned back to me, and I remember times when I've lost my temper. And I've said things I shouldn't have said to people. And I've scarred them with my words. And instead of the fruit or the, the evidence of God's Holy Spirit of love and peace flowing out of the pastor's mouth. Hatred and vengeance consumed me. And I started to pray for her, and I found myself praying for myself, and then I was helpless. I was like, God, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, to fix anger. It still best me from time to time. I don't know what to do. And I started to pray, and, and I didn't have words to articulate. And I feel like this was one of those examples because it hit me that anger is such a prevailing problem in this world, and I can't fix it. I can't fix her anger. 
I struggle with trying to fix my own. I don't know how to solve it, so how can I help others do this? And it led me to simply inwardly groan and just say, Lord, do something. I don't know what to do. I didn't have words for it, but I was entering that space with God, acknowledging my sin, acknowledging my weakness, and just acknowledging the problems that were around me. I want to be part of the problem solving, but sometimes I'm part of the problem making. We're weak. We're fallible. No matter how good we look in our blazer. Larry asked me if I was going to give up lint or blazers for lint. I was like, no, that would be horrible. The world doesn't need that right now. <laughs> but we're weak. We're fallible. We make mistakes, but I have good news. Our weakness is no match for God's strength. The Holy Spirit wants to pray for you. God wants to pray for you. The Holy Spirit wants to pray for you and intercede for you in your weakness, in your inability. God wants to step in there. And see, what the devil wants to do is have you get distracted from why you're here. And he wants you to feel like you're weak and so you can't be used by God. But God is saying, nope, I'm going to use you even in your weaknesses. In fact, your weaknesses will become strengths if you allow my Holy Spirit to intervene. And so there's three ways. I put two fingers up, but I meant three. There are three ways <laughs> the Holy Spirit prays for us. Don't put number one up yet because I'm going to read them all. He's going to pray what we don't know we should even pray. He's going to give us words that we don't even know how to say. And he's always going to pray according to God's will. Now we're going to go through them slowly. Number one, the Holy Spirit. There's three ways the Holy Spirit prays for us. And he prays what we don't even know that we should pray. You ever felt that way before? I don't even know what to pray in this situation. I really don't. I don't know what's right or what's wrong. I have no idea what to pray in this situation. That's good. That's a weakness, and it's okay because God's strength wants to interject. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 in the first half. It says, In the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. Our weakness leads us to not always know what we should pray. We just don't know. When it comes to sickness, should we pray for healing and comfort? Should we pray for strength to endure? When it comes to work, should we pray for a new job or for a promotion or a new career altogether? When it comes to world politics, should we pray? Well, we'll just skip that one. When it comes to injustices, should we pray for people to stop injustices miraculously? Or should we pray for strength to enter into those battlefields ourselves? Which one should I get involved with? Because there's tons of them. I'm not saying that we don't have some clear directions on what we should pray within these topics because we can always find something within them that we could pray for that we know agrees with the Word of God. But there are complicated issues in our lives and in our world that we don't know what is best for us to pray. It bothers me when so many of us feel like we have to know the answer to everything. It really bothers me when I feel like, and I struggle with this too, that we have to be right on everything. You don't have to know everything. We're called to know Christ and to grow in that knowledge of Him. We don't have to know. The weight of the world is not on your shoulders. Receive this. The weight of the world is not on your shoulders. 
I needed to hear that myself. Our weakness is limited in our knowledge. We don't know everything, but our limited knowledge is no match for God knowing everything. The Spirit of God will intercede for us if we acknowledge that we need Him to pray for us because we don't know what is best. We don't always know what is best. Sometimes we do. If it lines up with the Scriptures, we know. But we live in a complex world. But when the Spirit intercedes, you're going to pray what you should because He's going to be praying for you. So He prays for us what we should pray. Number two, He prays the words that we don't know to say. This would frustrate John Mayer when he says, sings, say what you need to say. Because sometimes we don't know what we should say. I didn't think that went through all the way, but I think you get my point. <laughs> we sometimes know the problem, so we know we should pray, right? But we don't know the words to say. We just don't have them. But I have good news. Good news. Words are not necessary for you to have a powerful prayer life and have victorious prayers. Verse, the same verse in verse 26, the second half of it is this. So we don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Spirit intercedes for us sometimes with these groanings that aren't even words. They're too deep. They're too powerful. The Spirit of God knows God because he is God. And the Spirit of God lives within us. So His prayer can be so powerful, so big, that our words cannot, could not, will not express what is being communicated. As a Christian, we are the temple of God. I forget way too often that the presence of God is living within me. And when the Holy Spirit is interceding, On my behalf, sometimes those prayers are going to be too big that words will not express what is being communicated. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, we see a a glimpse of the mightiness of God or the uh, powerfulness of God. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond. That's like something I would write. Far more abundantly beyond. That's like really superfluous. All that we could ask or think. According to the power of that works within us. So God can do these great, amazing, powerful things, and there's this power working within us, and that power is the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that the power and the presence of God lives within all who belong to Jesus? If you belong to Jesus today, do you realize that the power and the presence of God is living within you, not dormant somewhere, living within you? Some prayers will not happen If you know what you should pray, and you know what words you should say. Some of the most powerful prayers are only going to be prayed when you don't have the words to say. When you don't know what you're going, or what you should be saying. God will literally pray for you in groanings that are too deep for words. We don't have to have the words. Our weakness in our limited ability to articulate prayer in words is no match for the strength of God speaking in a way that only He understands. So praying prayers by the Spirit of God doesn't need to have words in order to have victorious prayers. The third thing that, or third way that the Holy Spirit prays for us is this. 
He prays according to God's will. This is good news. Sometimes, confession, I have prayed things that are not according to God's will. I pray things that I want, things that I think are good. We see that with Peter when he told Jesus, no, 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 you can't go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't literally Satan, but he's saying you're doing the work of him because what you want is not God's will. And then uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 27, we see according to God's will here. He says, and he who searches the heart, speaking of God, knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to what? The will of God. These prayers are always 100. Somebody's got to laugh on that. That's good. You get it? No, you don't get it. Okay. 100 means good. I'll try again next week. <laughs> These prayers are always on point. Is that good? Okay. I think you should go with 100. I think, I think 100. They're, they're 100. They're always there because they always line up with the will of God. Every time. These prayers are with the will of God. They're always on point. They never miss. They will never go unanswered. And here's why. God never tells himself no. The Spirit is praying for you according to the will of God. God will never tell himself no. Too often we're distracted and the voice of the Holy Spirit is silenced by the voices of our own ideas, the voices of our own passions, the voices of our own pursuits. The voices of those, dare I say, that we trust more than we trust God. How is your heart listening to the Holy Spirit? So, how many of you love group text messages? Not me. So, I figured out this thing a few weeks back, but there's a, if you go to the group text, and uh, I love yours, Katie. <laughs> Katie sends one out with scripture, and I, I love that every morning, so... Um, uh, that's the only group tech. I, I like other ones too. Anyway, but if, there's, if you're part of some that you don't like, there's this great feature that you can go to and you can click and then on the eye at the top and then go over to and you can click do not disturb. And you know what? You won't get any more bzz, 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 every time your mom and your brother are talking about something that you have no idea or any reason to want to know what they're talking about. You can just do not disturb and then you'll get those 87 messages at once and you can just... Delete them. Do not disturb. We're distracted. We are distracted people. And so what you need to do is hit do not disturb on your phone from time to time, often. Or just turn the thing off. And then focus on the Holy Spirit. Hit do not disturb on your phone and let the Lord disturb your weakness with His comforting strength and His presence. Let Him disturb you. Because He never leaves us disturbed and troubled. He always disturbs it, but then he puts it back in a right way. Jesus knew how to pray in the Holy Spirit. He knew what this meant to pray this way. In Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 44, we're going to see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is before the crucifixion. And Jesus is a he there. Jesus withdrew from them, his disciples, about a stone's throw away, which for me is a long way. I can really throw um, but about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and he began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, 
remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Next verse. Now an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus, strengthening him. And being in agony, Jesus was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he says he prayed very fervently right there, after he said, your will be done, we don't have the words recorded here. We don't know what he fervently prayed here. But what we do see is the Lord Jesus praying with this great intensity to the point that he was sweating and it was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I see him praying for the brokenness of the world. I see him praying praying for the wars that are going on, for murder, torture, abuse of every kind, the wickedness that surrounded him in that moment. I see him realizing that he was going to take all of that hidden things that are in our hearts. He was going to put them on his shoulder in the form of a cross. And he was going to take them to Calvary. And he was going to finish the mission that he came here to do. See, the reason the weight of the world is not on your shoulders is because Jesus put it on his The angel strengthened the Lord Jesus to go and do what only the Son of God could do. Save the world. That strength that he had from God is now our strength. The strength that you see here is now our strength because that same Holy Spirit that lived in the Lord Jesus lives within everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. We don't have to hide in the dark waiting for our sins to be exposed. We know Jesus sees them. And we know He already knows. And so now we confess them to Him and embrace the grace that He is offering to us. This isn't the picture that God wants us to have when we read this, of Him walking around and searching for our secret sins so He can out us and embarrass us like sometimes parents do with children. This is a picture of God searching our hearts to find those secret prayers. I see you praying over here. I know you don't know what to pray. I see you. I hear you. He sees those prayers that no one else knows about. He's searching the heart of his children and hoping to find them praying in the Holy Spirit, living a life of faith so that we get to those moments outside of our ability, outside of our knowledge, taking these steps of faith, realizing that if God, if you don't step in here, I'm going to crumble. I hear you. I see you. Because the Spirit will intercede for us, and He will pray what only He can pray. And He will prepare us to do what only the Spirit of God can prepare us to do. We are a weak people. We have lots of examples within our Christian family of people who have failed. 
We have lots of examples for our own, from our own lives of times when in our weakness we have failed. But your weakness is no match for God's strength. Our weakness is no match for His strength. We will pray victorious prayers every time we pray in the Spirit. Don't let your weakness hold you back. Don't let it hold you back. Go to God in your weakness. He is ready to help you and ready to empower you with prayers that are going to take you to such a deeper knowledge and relationship with God than you ever thought possible. And you'll see God do some great things through you. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your promise that we, we claim that promise tonight. I do. I claim it for me. That in my weakness, I pray I would trust you. I pray that I would groan and that I would just get in your presence realizing that I don't have to have the answers. I don't even have to know what I should be praying for, but I just get with you and allow you to pray for me. What a wonderful promise that is. Father, make this church a church of prayer, a church that you use to change the world. And every time we see a flashlight, I pray that it would encourage us to go into those dark places by faith and allow you to come and minister us to us and for us the, only, the way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.